Did you know there is a city in America that is so bad people are being paid to live there? You're like, wow, I want to move there. Well, I don't know. It's pretty bad. Wait till we get into the deets, as kids say these days. And then we travel to Vietnam. We know militaries around the world are constantly trying to discover what is behind the UFO phenomenon hoping that they may get an edge against their enemies with high-tech weaponry or propulsion systems beyond our wildest dreams. But is it possible we're looking in the wrong direction? Should the U.S. government spend less time investigating UFOs and more time investigating a more powerful paranormal force? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I want to go see that new Dune movie, but I haven't seen the first one. <laughs> I haven't seen the first one, so now i got to go watch a bunch of dorks walk around a desert for two and a half hours before I can go watch more dorks walk around a bigger desert in the second one. I, I, I'm not into Dune. I saw the old movie back in the 80s. I fell asleep. I know it has Beetlejuice worms in it. And I played the uh, Sega Genesis Dune game. I mean, that was awesome. That's my biggest entry into the world of Dune. But all the critics and everyone saying this new Dune is like up there with The Dark Knight and... The Two Towers. Those are two of my favorite action films. I gotta go see the second one. I gotta go do some homework and watch this first one. But someone who doesn't do homework, someone who just wings their way through life, walking into Dead Rabbit Radio Command right now, everyone get on your feet and give it up for William Holland. Woohoo! Yeah, we ha Yeah, we's walking on into Dead Rabbit Radio Command, kicking over barrels of homework. I don't know why I have a lot of homework. In barrels in Dead Rabbit Command either. William, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. William's our newest Patreon supporter. Really, really appreciate it. Really, really grateful when you guys are able to provide for the show financially. But if you're not able to provide for the show financially through the Patreon, through the YouTube memberships merch store, I understand that as well. And you are just as valuable as a member. Friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. William, let's go ahead and get this party started. Oh, we'll use Atasha the Keys to the Dead Rabbit Dune Buggy. <laughs> it has a promotional poster for Dune 2, a movie I've never seen. I don't even know if the first one's any good. Put on our desert worm gear or whatever merchandise is for that movie. William, here are the keys of the Dead Rabbit Dune Buggy. Drive us out of Dead Rabbit Radio Command across the dunes and all the way out to Michigan. <laughs> Driving the dead rabbit dune buggy all the way out there. We're driving all the way out to Michigan, headed out to Kalamazoo, Michigan. It sounds fun, right? That sounds like a funny name for a place. I mean, I don't know. That might be some indigenous word, and I might be completely insensitive. But Kalamazoo reminds me of, like, a Barnum & Bailey circus show, or maybe, like, Zaboomafoo? 
Remember that show with the the uh, sloth? What was that thing? There was some weird creature running around on the branch. Now it sounds like some cool sci-fi show, and the people had to stop it. They brought in the Krat brothers to put it out of its misery. Zabumafu, what was that thing? But anyways, children's show. It sounds goofy. Kalamazoo. Who wouldn't want to live in Kalamazoo? It sounds like your entire life would be just one big Dr. Seuss book. It, it would be if Dr. <laughs> If Dr. Seuss wrote about horrible things that horrible people do to the innocent. You go to Kalamazoo, I looked up some stats because I was researching this story we'll get to in a second. But to just totally paint the picture, if you've never been to Kalamazoo, Michigan, driving around in a dune buggy is probably not the best way to do it because there's no windows on it. At any point, someone could reach into the dune buggy and pour Paul William out and rob him. Not me, not me, of course, not me. But Willie was driving, so he looks like the richest person in the vehicle. Kalamazoo, Michigan. On a scale of 100. I'm not, this is not an arbitrary scale that I made up. These are sources that I found online. On, on the website Neighborhood Scout, which if you're looking at moving or you just want to know what's going on the other side of town, Neighborhood Scout compares like crime rates and probably just Yelp reviews, complaints. You're like, oh, I was standing out on the street corner and I got shot in the face. <laughs> one star. This uh, corner gets one star. On a scale of 100, on the website Neighborhood Scout, with the 100 being the safest, Kalamazoo got, <laughs> this, is, this sounds like a joke, they got a one. They got one. They're the least safe city possible. Now, I'm sure, sure you're like, Jason, you must have read that wrong. I've never heard of Kalamazoo before. You're telling me it's the most violent place in America? Well, I'm not saying that. Remember, they're just like comparing, they're just comparing crime statistics. I mean, technically, theft isn't violent. Based on neighborhood scout statistics, they would be up there. I don't know what Oakland got. Now, that I wanted, now I kind of want to check to see what Oakland, California got. A neighborhood scout, but listen, that's bad. <laughs> that's, that's literally as bad as you can get. They don't give out zeros. I imagine they would if, say, the uh, city just disappeared, right? If the city just vanished into a sinkhole, I imagine it would just go away. Let's check out here, neighborhood scout, Oakland. Give it. Give us an idea. I'm assuming it's a one. I'm just going to assume that Oakland, California is also a one. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Oakland, California did get a zero. It's zero. So apparently that is a percentage. So Oakland, <laughs> I'm just making fun of it. It would have to disappear to get a zero. According to Neighborhood Scout, the security gauge, Kalamazoo, Michigan is only safer than 1% of the neighborhoods in America. So you can find other cities, other cities that are way safer. There is literally zero places that are worse than Oakland. It's safer than 0% of U.S. neighborhoods. So you can get a zero. I'm glad I checked. Kalamazoo, Michigan, who's one percentage point safer than Oakland, California, is the place we're talking about here. When you compare it to Michigan, other cities in Michigan, it's three times more violent 
than Michigan City's on average. So <laughs> that's pretty bad. I mean, unless you want to be violent, unless you're really going for that RoboCop feel. Overall in Michigan, you have a 1 in 217 chance of being a victim of violent crime. In Kalamazoo, it's 1 out of 65. Um, <laughs> you're like, Jason, how many, how many crime statistics? Are, when, when's the story start? Well, I thought this last one was really the worst crime statistic, and then we'll get to the story. Kalamazoo, Michigan has a population of 73,000 people. This is where I really had to break out the calculator on this one. You guys know how much I hate math, but I was determined to figure out um, this. Population of Kalamazoo, 73,000 people. There's 962 people on the Megan's Law database. If you're not familiar with what Megan's Law is, if you are convicted of a sex crime, you are put into the database, and that way neighbors know where you're at. Um, so those are the people who've been caught. That is not the total population of pervos in Kalamazoo. 73,000 people, 962 people in the Megan's Law database. 1.3% of the population of the city has been convicted of a sex crime. But again, I go, well, maybe that's low. Maybe Kalamazoo has one shining light in that city. And I mean, they do have 962 sex offenders, but they don't have 963. I thought, there. I wonder how to scale this. So I looked up Sacramento, which is where I spent most of my life, where I was most recently. Sacramento has a population of 525,000 people. 2,169 registered sex offenders show even then they're only 0.4% of the population. And Sacramento is higher than the state average of California. So why am I going through all, why am I giving you these statistics <laughs> as you're like trying to catch a bus back to home? You're like, I don't want to be in Kalamazoo anymore. We save William from getting mugged. We're continuing our trip down the streets, the very deadly streets of Kalamazoo, Michigan. Bin, garbage bins on fire as bums huddle around him. That, that's the mayor. He's currently holding his city council meeting there. He doesn't do it in the office anymore. That was overtaken by perverts. Why are we in Kalamazoo, Michigan? Well, this is so interesting. Kalamazoo is so bad. That's the Kalamazoo tourist board is getting ready to sue me kalamazoo the city of kalamazoo is so awful that people were leaving obviously right you're gonna have a huge exodus they're like i don't know the temperature's nice and it's uh, centrally located but you know a lot of perverts right that's pretty much gonna get a lot of people to leave your neighborhood kalamazoo michigan had so many people leave and what was happening is they were taking their kids with them, which, which would make sense in a city full of so many perverts. And you started to see school enrollment drop. And school enrollment, schools are paid by the kids in the class. When kids are missing class, like even if a student, like I cut a lot of school in high school. If you, if you weren't able to tell, I got a lot of school in high school. When you're not there, at least it was when I was going to high school, they lost like $300 a day when you weren't there. That's why they were always sending truant officers after you. The school wanted their money. 
I don't know if they still do it on a daily basis like that, but if you have a whole family up and move and they have three kids, you lose three kids in that school system. If you have a thousand families move, now you're down 3,000 students in that school system. And what do you do every time somebody leaves? Not only are they taking their kids and the state money goes, well, you get paid for 3,000 less kids. But also the people leaving, their tax money leaves as well. So every time a family leaves, the school was getting more and more underfunded. And you were having this huge exodus. I mean, the stats don't lie. This is not a pleasant place to be. This is super fascinating. And I wonder if other places could do this. And then I'll tell you a crazy conspiracy theory. I heard about it as well, which is what brought all this to my attention. I normally don't peruse, you know, just randomly trying to find out what the crime rates are in cities I've never heard of. A group of anonymous donors got together and they go, what are we going to do? Like these school systems, they're starting to buckle. They're losing so many kids and so many taxpayers so quickly that eventually the schools are going to be completely underfunded (laughs) instead of just regularly underfunded as we're all used to at this point. A group of anonymous donors got together and formed something called the Kalamazoo Promise. And the way it's set up is, this all started back in 2005, because this was just going on for a bit. Started back in 2005, there is no end date. This Kalamazoo promise will go on forever until the heat death of the universe. You'll have the Kalamazoo promise. This anonymous set of donors said, if... Your child, and this is a national pledge, if your child attends Kalamazoo Public Schools from K through 12, they will have a 100% scholarship to any in-state public university or community college. Parents across the country were like, what? Like... You can break out the RoboCop armor. Uh, It might be a little unsafe there, guys, but you're telling me that if I move across the country and I get my kids in school, they'll get free college in the state of Michigan. They can go to any college in Michigan, even the one with the Wolverines. And the anonymous donors go, yeah, yeah, even the one with the Wolverines. If you bring your kids out here and they go to school, K through 12, 100% tuition. They do have it set up, too, that if it's... um, because like, obviously, right? You, are, you already have a third grader. Like, sorry, bro, you're not going to make it. But your younger sister, she'll get a full ride. You can go to McDonald's University. They do have a sliding scale. So if you go from third grade through 12th grade, they'll pay for 95%. And if you go from ninth grade to 12th grade, you'll get 65%, which is still incredibly substantial. If you were just getting ready to enter high school, You could slide into this. You could pack your family up, head to Kalamazoo, and they'll pay for it. And that actually, that's pretty cool. Like, I honestly think that's a really cool program. And I was reading articles about it. And sure enough, you had families all over the country. There was this family here on the West Coast that had like five kids. And they they go, I guess we're going to Kalamazoo, guys. Pack up your bags. Pack up your bags. Lie about your ages. We're all headed down to Kalamazoo. And the family's like, yeah, we couldn't afford college for five kids otherwise. They're going to be completely taken care of. 
because of the Kalamazoo promise, what you have happening is while you see, because people are still moving from state to state, trying to find some place to settle down, because you know violence is, is the big thing. Safety of your kids, right? You don't want anything bad to happen to them. So people are still leaving Michigan in droves. And what's interesting is while they see decreasing enrollment across the state still, in Kalamazoo, they're growing. They actually keep getting more and more students each year. People are now moving across the country to go there. Okay, Jason, that's oddly uplifting. I mean, you did throw Kalamazoo under the bus for the first five minutes talking about what a disgusting, perverted hellhole it was. But, but you know, that, that's a pretty upbeat story. Jason, very unlike you. Right? It involved feces. It didn't mention Arby's at any point. Nobody died. Well, what's interesting about this story, that, that, that I did find really interesting, that a group of anonymous donors got together. And again, this is bankrolled to last forever. There's no end date. It would be awesome if it worked in other cities as well. I bet it would. The issue would be getting the money. But why, why am I talking about it? Well, I'm talking about it because I do think it's interesting. And I don't know, maybe, maybe one of you guys is a billionaire who has a fondness for a terrible city and want to see their enrollment increase. What I find really interesting is that I found out about Kalamazoo. Like I said, I'd never really heard of the city. I, I mean, I had heard about it in passing just because it's such a funny name. Just like Walla Walla, Washington, which might also be an indigenous thing. I apologize. But the reason why I found out about this whole thing was I was perusing the X board. This is what I find so fascinating. One, that's an interesting story. People saw a problem. They had the financial means to fix it. They fixed it. It's changing lives. Also, I thought it was hilarious that it was a horrible, horrible city. We got a one out of 100. Wanted to talk about that. But the reason why it came out on my radar at first, and, and I find this so fascinating, I don't believe this conspiracy theory is real. I do not believe this conspiracy theory is real. But I find it really interesting because it shows that people can make a conspiracy theory up about anything. Absolutely anything. I was reading on the export a while back, someone was asking for like obscure unsolved mysteries. And people were posting things about like, oh, I always heard that my great grandpa was killed by the mob that a deal went bad and there was an industrial accident. And when he went to the hospital, instead of helping them, they pumped him full of blood thinners and he bled out. And that's always been in our family knowledge, family lore, that my great-grandpa was killed by the mob. People were posting things like that. One guy said, I heard that my stepdad's father, when he was eight years old, drowned a little girl. Drowned a little girl on purpose. So, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> See, now I'm mentioning the dead people, right? You're like, yep, I figured that was coming. Figured there was a curveball coming somewhere. Well, on this post, a lot of people were posting this. There was a lot of crazy stuff like that. One guy typed out two sentences. This is all he wrote. Kalamazoo, Michigan is a trafficking hub. That checks out. <laughs> that part is probably true. Um, it doesn't sound like a pleasant place to be. Here's his quote, quote, Kalamazoo, Michigan is a trafficking hub. The Kalamazoo promise, he says, I'm not saying this, the Kalamazoo promise is to encourage families to bring their children into the local school systems. Think 
like a Sears catalog. Unquote. And I didn't know what the Kalamazoo Promise was. I, I had never heard of this before. And I went and I, I did a bunch of research into it. It's fascinating. It's awesome. It's helping out families. I don't think this conspiracy theory is true at all. At all. It really wouldn't make sense. You, you would have a better chance trafficking kids in an economically depressed area. It would be better if the schools crumbled. That's why we see such problems with child trafficking and you're like, yeah, Jason, you can't just tell the happy story. It always got to get depressing. That's why we find child trafficking mostly finding their resources, children, boys and girls, in war-torn countries, uh, countries that have been hit by disasters recently, things like that. Because the systems that usually keep an eye out for kids have fallen apart. They're, they've disappeared. If you had a school that didn't have enough teachers and could only afford one counselor instead of maybe three that you would need for the normal amount of kids in that school and you're having these budget cuts and the people who were there are overworked it'd be much easier to not see those signs in children that says that these kids are suffering in, in some way and you need to help them out it doesn't track at all. If anything, you would want it to be in the worst school systems in the states is where you'd have this stuff coming. But I thought that was super interesting because when I first read that, I had no idea what the Kalamazoo Promise was. This is my first exposure to it. And I go, okay, well, let's look into this. And I start reading all these articles and looking at crime statistics. And I thought, I don't believe the conspiracy theory. I think the Kalamazoo Promise is a net positive for this area. And if you have enough private donors get involved in this type of stuff, it can be a net positive for tons of different cities. You do seem to be fair. You do have a large amount of child molesters or sex offenders in the city of Kalamazoo. But again, they would want a broken school system, not one that is thriving or growing. But isn't that interesting? I thought that was really interesting, too. I thought the story of the Kalamazoo promise itself was Really cool. I never heard anything like that. But also the fact that this is the way conspiracy theories work. You can literally make it up about anybody or anything. And whether or not it sticks, if I didn't do any research, if I just read that sentence and didn't know what the Kalamazoo promise was and didn't critically think about, well, would that work? I could easily repeat that to somebody. <laughs> just, hey, man, how are you doing? Hey, did you hear about the Kalamazoo promise? They're like, what? It's like, ah, let me tell you about it. <laughs> a lot of child trafficking like obviously i had to figure out what it was and then do some research on it um but it's fascinating you can make a conspiracy theory about anything I, and to i don't want to go too much on this on this side thing but i was going absolutely nuts over this whole taylor swift conspiracy super bowl thing not because I don't believe that the CIA runs psyops on the U.S. population. I've read several articles being like, "What? They would never do that here." I was like, "Yeah, they do it here all the time." <laughs> don't don't tell me that the CIA does not run psyops on the U.S. population. That's absolutely ridiculous. It's a bold faced lie. But anyways, this whole thing was: Is Taylor Swift a CIA psyop? Maybe I don't know. She seems a little um, teenage girlish. Like, if you watch an interview with her, she her music's smarter than she is. I, I do like Taylor Swift's music. She doesn't seem to be exceptionally intelligent. But she, she, probably, she probably didn't skip as much high school as I did, to be fair. But 
Um, you know, I have no ill will towards her. She probably isn't a CIA asset. Uh, her fame is more important than her personality. Uh, they really wouldn't need her. They would just need people at her record label. What I found so interesting is the first off I saw Taylor Swift, CIA, PSYOP. I go, <laughs> and the CIA never runs PSYOPs on its own people. Those are kind of the articles I was seeing. And I go, well, that second part's not true. I know that's, <laughs> I know that second part's not true. Then it became Taylor Swift... This was so. This was such a weird thing because that first part really may be true. They don't have to co-opt her. You just have to co-opt people in her management team or uh, behind the scenes, whatever, right? But then I remember seeing people. This is so fascinating to me because I think arguably you could say, yeah, the government probably does have minders or handlers in the entertainment industry because it would be stupid if you didn't. But that's debatable, right? We can have that conversation. But then I started seeing a different narrative appear online. This, and I go, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. If it ever happened, I would probably cease to exist. <laughs> I'd probably just go, nope, I'm no longer going to be part of this reality. And I would enter the void, the black hole in my bedroom. I would just walk on through. People were saying, I saw this that Taylor Swift was going, during halftime, during the Super Bowl, the idea that Taylor Swift was going to walk out middle of the game, middle of the Super Bowl, and say, I just found out that my boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, voted for Trump. And everyone would be like, boo. And then she goes, and, and I'm breaking up with them. I'm breaking up with them because Trump sucks, doesn't he? And people would be like, yay. And she goes, so I want you all to vote for Joe Biden in November. And everyone would go, yay. And I was like, that's not going to happen. That's not. And what's so interesting about that is that you see how it went from a very believable, I don't know if it's necessarily true, but from a very believable story, our pop stars, our media icons, controlled either willingly or unwillingly by the central intelligence agency that's the fur that was what the original conspiracy theory was and to that i'm the answer is yes in some way i'm not saying that she's taking little photographs with a miniature camera and putting a little roll of film in her bra as she's in the german embassy i'm not saying anything like that Handlers can be a part of it. You may not even know that when you go on your world tour, a member of your security is actually an undercover CIA agent, and it's perfect cover for him because he has this world tour and he's out doing That is so likely it's probably true. <laughs> I'm making a lot of weasel words here. That's very interesting. We can have that debate. She was never going to walk into the middle of the arena the football field, and say that. I mean, for one thing, Travis Kelsey might have a hard time playing if everyone's booing him. And again, also, you that that whole thing plays in the thing like everyone hates Trump, everyone loves Biden. We all know it's like 30-30-30 at this point. 30 love Trump, 30 love Biden, 30 don't care. Fascinating, though. And to me, that's a psyop. America's having an interesting conversation about what role do intelligence agencies play in our entertainment industry. 
And then it became this completely ludicrous sideshow. And everyone goes, well, that's not true. Like, that story you just told us not true, and it didn't happen. And then after the the Super Bowl, when the... Uh, who, 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 who does Travis Kelsey even play for? The Chiefs? Uh, after the Chiefs won, then Joe Biden starts tweeting, ha-ha, according to plan, and he's kind of making fun of the whole thing. It, it it ignores that very interesting and more believable one that when the movie Top Gun is made in the 80s, that's 100% a PSYOP to get young men into the Air Force. That movie was made as a military recruitment tool. That's a PSYOP. And I think that the CIA and other agencies do stuff even far more subtle than that. And when they lose control of their person they are controlling they're swiftly disposed of william holland i'm gonna go ahead and toss you the keys to the world famous carbonicopter we are leaving behind kalamazoo fly us all the way out to vietnam we're headed all the way out to vietnam and william go ahead and hit that Time travel button. We're not going to modern day Vietnam. We're going back to the height of the Vietnam conflict. <laughs> Flying through that time portal. Headed back to Vietnam. We're about to join a group of Marines. What's the the word, right? Platoon is 20 guys. Squad is four, I think. I don't know. I get all my military knowledge from video games. We're walking around. Vietnam, we're hanging out with a bunch of Marines, and we're going to meet one in particular. His name, he didn't give his real name, we'll call him Bruce. We're walking through the steamy jungles of Vietnam. There's a parrot flying overhead. Ka -ka, ka -ka. Look out! Whack! Look out! Whack! And we're like, what? Huh? Huh? We see him, we land on a branch, we're like, Phew. we thought that was... <laughs> Oh, that was a flying, flying U.S. serviceman warning us. We're like, thanks, Parrot. And we're like looking out, right? We see like nothing. We're worried about like trip wires and tiger traps and all sorts of ways that the Viet Cong fought back against the U.S. forces over there. Wearing our boots, got our helmet on. The Parrot is like just watching us. Look out, rock! Look out. We walk past them. We're on patrol. And we're pretty far away from base at this point. So the platoon leader dude, the captain, whoever it is, goes, Okay, guys, we're really, really far away from base. So we're going to stay here. We're going to stay right here. And he kind of points and we all look. And there's an old French fort. There's an old French fort that was built back when the French occupied Vietnam. And the captain's like... So, okay, man, let's get in there and uh, talk about army stuff. I mean, <laughs> they're all getting ready to beat him up. He goes, I mean, marine stuff, marine stuff. Yes, let's go in there and we'll talk about marine stuff until, oh, 20 hundred. <laughs> He's obviously a spy. They're like, oh, man, I don't know. Maybe the parrot was telling us to look out for this guy. We're going to go in there until 20 hundred hours and then uh, we'll set up watch. Get some sleep. Okay, guys, let's go. Hop to it. Double time. Single file. <laughs> They're what? Oh, okay. They're all bumbling into each other like prairie dogs crawling through a hole. Well, eventually, despite this captain's bizarre orders, 
They all enter the fort. And the captain's like, oh, yeah, great. Perfect. This is exactly a good job. <laughs> he gives himself a medal. It's like a merit badge. Doop. Good job on my first patrol. <laughs> They're like, what? This is your first? Oh, no. He goes, okay, guys. Um, we're going to like talk about marine stuff. And then um, we'll set up the watch. Bruce, why don't you take first watch? Make sure nobody like climbs over the walls of this fort. Or opens the door. <laughs> be their first. They'd be like, yeah, maybe we should just open the door. Maybe it's unlocked. We'll walk into this fort. We're in enemy territory, so you need to keep your eyes peeled. While the rest of us get some Z's, get some sleep. Now, I don't know how this fort is laid out. Like, I obviously imagine it like a F troop fort. Where if that is too old of a reference, it's definitely like the oldest reference I've ever done on this show. I imagine it looking like a bunch of logs lined up in a wall with like pointy logs on the top, like an old timey pioneer or Western fort. Probably wasn't that. I imagine it was actually like quite spacious and, <laughs> and not made of pointy wood. I don't think anything's been made of that since 1896. But a fort's a fort, right? And these men, they're far off from base. They're going to use this place to. Get some sleep. But whatever the layout of the fort is, apparently it has a courtyard, which is kind of why I was thinking of F Troop. It has a courtyard. And Bruce is just kind of walking around inside the fort, listening for anything that could be outside. You wouldn't want to be like on the ramparts, right? The Viet Cong were the masters of guerrilla warfare. If you're like... Standing on the fort like your Larry Gumptus from F Troop or whatever. They, Larry Storch from F Troop. And he gets an arrow through the hat and he's like, what? No, they blow your brains out, right? You couldn't just pop your head up at night and just stay there on the rampart of a fort. He's walking around in the middle of the fort, like the lobby or the courtyard area. And he said it was a full moon out, but it was a lot of cloud covers. So he's just kind of walking around... Staying awake, making sure there's not a massive slaughter. Or someone just throws a grenade over the wall and kills a couple people. And at a certain point in his patrol, the clouds separate just enough to shine beautiful moonlight into the courtyard. And that is when Bruce sees something he never expected to see. Standing there in the courtyard is a man dressed in the uniform of a French soldier. And he sees this man standing there in the courtyard dressed in this French military uniform, and he's holding a small machine gun, probably like a submachine gun, and he is pointing it directly at a bush that is in the courtyard. That's another reason why I thought it was F Troop Fort. Because I think, like, the courtyard was just dirt. Like, I imagine this was just walls. But anyways, he's pointing this machine gun at this bush in the courtyard. And Bruce does what I think anyone would do. He, he, he screams as loud as he can. He's already on edge because he's in a war. 
and he's in enemy territory, and he's the only one awake at this point in time. He also sees a ghost, right? I mean, can it get any worse? I guess at this point, if a grenade flew over the wall, yeah, it could get worse, but you're already on edge, and now there's a ghost appearing, and he screams. He screams, and the ghost vanishes. But everybody else runs into the courtyard thinking they're under attack. And they're not. And the captain's like, what in tarnation was that, son? I was getting a good night's sleep. I was dreaming I was on a date with Betty Boop herself. Oh, I should give you a good old Arkansas left. Why'd you wake us up? And Bruce goes, dude, you guys won't believe it. But um, I saw a ghost. <laughs> I saw a ghost. I'm standing right here and this French dude showed up. He's a ghost, obviously. Um, and it was really scary. He was <laughs> Super, can you imagine at this point, everyone's like, uh, what's the penalty for fragging a soldier, a fellow serviceman? What, what, what do we do? What do we get a couple of years in prison? Captain's like, okay, everyone, go back to sleep. Bruce, you're an idiot. You're an absolute idiot. And as punishment for you being a big dummy, you have to do even more watch. <laughs> you have to watch with both eyes now. You have to open both of them. And they give him an M60, which is one of those big old machine guns. And they go, you have to walk around this bush until we all wake up. Your watch is now, you have to watch the courtyard, but you also got to walk around in circles around this bush as punishment. So he takes this big machine gun. It weighs like 20 some odd pounds. It's like punishment, right? Which I'm not in the military, but... I would imagine if I wanted somebody to be aware of enemies attacking, I probably wouldn't, like, pick on him. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, well, I guess I'm going to let the enemies kill you in your sleep, Captain. He's like, what? I want to make him carry a big gun because what if, like, the bad guys... If someone throws a grenade over the wall and he's holding a giant gun, he won't be able to pick the grenade up and throw it back. And if he did, like, he could drop the gun and pick the grenade up, but his, his arms would be tired. It's this lame toss. It's all, it just rolls. It blows up in the front door. The troops come storming in. He's like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have been holding that gun for three hours. He's on patrol walking around this bush. No, I don't think he was walking to it, walking next to it super close. His pants are all getting ripped up. He's like, ah, it's a rose bush. No. I think he was just kind of like a, it, 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 within his area. It was kind of at this point more of a punishment. But sure enough, later on in the night, the clouds separated again and the full moon reappeared. But shortly after, everyone goes back to sleep and he's walking around in circles. The clouds separate. The full moon is once again visible. And now the French soldier's ghost has reappeared. And this time, the first thing he does the ghost puts his finger to his lips like shh don't scream if you scream i will disappear don't scream you'll wake everybody up don't scream because he didn't say any of that but all of this is implied all he does all the french guy does is put his finger to his lips like to be quiet and then the frenchman's ghost points at the bush. And Bruce is standing there with his big M60. And he doesn't scream this time. And he's looking down at the bush. And he's looking. 
and he's looking and he's looking and then he sees a little bit of dirt start to move underneath the bush and that's when he sees the top of a small shovel push up from underneath the bush Bruce takes that M60 and he points it right at the bush and he just opens fire. Dirt's flying everywhere. He starts screaming probably. I don't know. That wasn't in the story, but that's what I would do. And he's just putting round after round into the dirt underneath this bush. Everyone is... Wide awake, regardless of what you're dreaming of. Betty Boop in a negligee. You're up. You're running to the courtyard. And you see Bruce standing there just chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga-chugga. Just dropping rounds into the dirt. After he was done firing, he explained what happened. He probably left the ghost part out this time. But he goes, I saw a shovel coming up. And sure enough, they started to clear it away. And four sappers... Those are guys who will dig underneath fortifications. Had dug in from the outside underneath the base and were going to pop up through the bush. There was four guys down there with little shovels that were making their way into the base. Bruce said that the French soldier's ghost was never seen again. He probably didn't go back there, right? He's probably like, well, you know, maybe let's just go back to base now. Do we have to continue our patrol? Technically, we killed four people. That should be enough. I don't think they spent a lot of time in that base. Now, what's interesting is that would be a tactic that the Viet Cong, I think, would use. You would have pre-dug tunnels into the courtyard. And you would have a... They may have planted the bush so they could see where the middle of the courtyard was when they're underneath the ground. Or maybe it was just lucky. Who knows? Unlucky for them. The the Viet Cong did get blasted away by this M60. And the Viet Cong, while they could try to figure out all these different ways to fight a technologically superior foe, they didn't think ghosts. (laughs) You're not going to plan for ghosts. And that is what I say... All the time. I bring this up. Oh, also, I want to say that story was posted online by Eric D. Red, 7281. And they said that story happened to a friend of theirs in Vietnam. (laughs) What? But I know that's like secondhand story, but I thought it was cool. And this is what I'm always talking about. I mentioned it like two episodes ago. We need ghosts in the U.S. military. We... (laughs) <laughs> you're all shutting off you're like well, well the episode goes on for 10 more minutes and i can pretty much guess what the next 10 minutes are going to be we need ghosts in the u.s military i talk about this think about how much money we spend trying to figure out on what a ufo is and it might be something super lame it might be like the country of bolivia back in the 50s or 40s invented some really cool remote control vehicle and it's dumb. Imagine if we like are spending all this time trying to contact aliens and we're the only living species in the universe. Because that is a possibility. We do have to understand that. That could be. I do believe in aliens. I do believe in visitations. But, I mean, there could be other explanations for this stuff. Ghosts! <laughs> Ghosts, however... 
we have people see my thing. If you take the amount of people who see ghosts and the amount of people who see aliens, not people who believe in either of them, because I believe in aliens, but I've never seen one. I've never even come. I think I've seen a UFO. If you take people who have had personal interactions with ghosts versus people who have personal interactions with aliens, it's not even close. It's not even anywhere. It wouldn't wouldn't even show up on a graph, right? You could either have one or the other. It's so vast. And if you include historical accounts of ghosts and historically, then the graph gets even bigger. I'd say it's close to, or this is just a guess, 10,000 to 1. I mean, I, we're really talking about that level of numbers. The When I find an alien story that involves someone actually looking at an alien, those are so rare. And I spend so much time looking for these things. Very, very rare. So the military... Where was I going? Oh, yeah. So if the military's looking at where to spend their money... They could, yes, try to figure out where aliens are coming from. I'm not saying don't spend any money on that. But you have to understand, it could be lame. It could be some dumb explanation. Ghosts, however, why not get go? Like, why doesn't the Pentagon have, like, a spooky room? It's like, oh, my duty shift starts at 3 a.m. I know where I'm working at night. You go into this spooky room in the Pentagon with all these red candles and you have like a Ouija board and you're like, let's find out where Putin's sending his troops today. And it just like spells out Ukraine. You're like, ah, can we can we get a little more specific than that? Maybe like a region. You could have ghosts. Here's the thing. You could have ghosts help you out on like a high level. So you'd be like summoning the spirit of Spartacus. And he's like, show, he's all flown around. And you're like, Spartacus, almighty oh, Spartacus, leader of the slave revolt. We're currently moving these M1 Abram tanks over to the Middle East. Where should we put them? And he's like, well, I know a lot about the Middle East because I was a slave over there. But then again, I was also a slave. What's a tank? What's an M1? I don't even know what the letter M is because I was a slave and I don't know how to read. You could get, don't you, don't get, get him out of there. Get him out of there. Get like a tactical genius ghost, like Attila the Hun. And then you say Attila the Hun, mighty Attila the Hun. Thanks for coming to the Pentagon at 3 a.m. Here's a tank. Here's a tank. We're going to show you photos of everything we're going to use. How should we use these against our enemies? And Attila the Hun goes, ah, that's a great idea. Here's what I would do. And he would like give them tactics and stuff. And they're like, right, they're write that down, write that down. They're writing it down. <laughs> then when they have to make sure they say goodbye on the Ouija board. Otherwise, Attila the Hun's permanently haunting the Pentagon, which wouldn't be a bad thing, right? And actually, now think about it, the Pentagon is basically a pentagram without the star in the middle, so it, it's, you, you're already halfway there. You're already halfway there. We got all of this crazy iconography, all of this occultic iconography in our money and in our federal buildings. We're halfway there, guys. We're halfway there. Why aren't we using ghosts to fight wars? You could interrogate ghosts. You could summon ghosts to help you out with tactics. You could summon ghosts to do your bidding. Like, sure, it was the worst part of the Lord of the Rings trilogy because it was kind of like, it just came out of nowhere. But in real life, wouldn't you want to have like a line of tanks, a squadron of Apache helicopters, and then like one of those lame planes that has the dinner plate on the top? 
that like has a radar dish that just looks dumb. They should have made it look cooler. You have all that. And then you have the ghost armies of Alexander the Great and Napoleon Bonaparte riding behind you. Like horses, ghost horses and chariots. And the spearmen have like flames shooting out of their eyes. And then Napoleon's like, go that way, shoot all those cannonballs. But they're ghost cannonballs, so they do more damage than a modern day artillery show. This might sound facetious. This might sound like I'm just coming up with it off the top of my head. But I think it's... Okay, I'm not going to say <laughs> I'm not gonna say that it's possible. But what I'm saying is we're not even trying. We're not even trying. That's not even a concern. I know I like bring it up every once in a while. And I brought it up earlier this week. And then I found this story. And I go, this we should be doing this. We should have ghost guards. We should have ghost guards at your military base because they know everything they don't actually have to like be looking in a direction they're like grenades coming and you turn around and you're like huh what and the grenades flying over because they're like ghosts they could like <laughs> okay now that i think about it ghosts don't really have magical powers they do i mean they're between the veil but it's not like i wonder if that french ghost was like crawling underneath or with them or he just knew there was a tunnel there i don't know ghosts aren't really omnipotent I'm not saying to spend no money on UFOs. I'm just saying to spend less. And we take some of that UFO money and put it towards ghost money. We have this giant radar that's pointed into the sky trying to figure out if aliens are real. And, you know, they probably are. I think they are, but who knows? They might not be. Imagine if you actually did spend $44 million a year investigating ghosts just ghosts not esp nothing else just ghosts the federal government opened a branch of the military or just a division of the government they would be like a cabinet level <laughs> i'm offering my own services to be a member of the cabinet the president's cabinet the department of the damned Ooh, i like that that's what we'll call it the department of the damned and you spend $44 million, which is a drop in the bucket, really, when it even compares to the combined spending of UFO studies, private and public, studying, specifically communicating with the dead. That could be a game changer. Ghosts. Ghosts is the edge that we need in military conflicts. Get ghosts involved. They know a bunch of stuff. Right? They're like the smart ghosts. At least, right? You want to get like the general ghosts. You get general ghosts, they'll help you out. And you can't kill them. So you could have ghost armies just overrunning an entire city. I realize now I'm describing a horror novel and I'm the bad guy. But I imagine that $44 million a year being spent on Can We Talk to Ghosts? Why not, America? Why not? We spend so much money on so many other things, like like education, boo! Take of some money from every school district, put it towards ghost studies. Museum schmoozisms. Go take that money, too, out of the museum. You take those dinosaur skeletons and sell them on eBay. Put it towards ghost research. National parks, more like national farts. Take that money out. I mean, also, we could probably take the money from the military. They got a lot. Mr. President, I'm asking you $44 million a year. That's all I'm asking towards ghost projects. Here's the thing. A lot of this that I'm saying is fun, um, but I honestly do think we should, the government should spend money 
let me go on the record. I think the government should spend money on ghosts, but I will reiterate what I said earlier this week and we'll wrap it up like this. I believe they already are. I do believe there is a department of the damned. Because it would you would be stupid not to. If you would if there was even a inkling that ghosts were real and you could communicate with them, you and to just not spend any money on them would be so foolish. I know we've spent money on ESP, like the men who talk to goats. We definitely spend a ton of money trying to figure out what UFOs are. And I understand part of that is national defense. Like, is that a UFO or is that a Russian uh one of their lame jets with the big dinner plate on top of it? Boo. So they got to figure that stuff out. I get that. But I almost guarantee there already is a department that studies ghosts. But the reason why we don't know about it, because it sounds stupid. And anyone in their right mind would say, let's shut that department down and take that money back. But I'm sure buried somewhere in there. There probably is a real-life X-Files. There probably is a real-life group dedicated to investigating all paranormal phenomenon, probably funded by the government. And I think there is a dedicated group trying to figure out, can we talk to ghosts? Why would you want to talk to a goat? Oh, wait. <laughs> they weren't talking to goats. It was called the mini stare at goats. But why would you even want to stare at a goat and kill it with your mind, but not even for a second think if I could talk to the greatest military strategist of all time? I would. And also, you don't even need to do that. You Just with the Ouija board, if some like famous dude in Moscow died right now, like who's that uh, mercenary guy? That mercenary guy who like turned on Putin and then said, nah, never mind. I'm going to go fly a plane instead. And the plane blew up. I don't know what that guy was thinking. Uh, but anyways, imagine if you could contact his ghost. And be like, yo, what's up going on over there? Like, can you give us some tactics? And he'd be like, yeah, I'm dead, so I'll tell you everything. The Department of the Damned, does it exist? Should it exist? I think the answer to both of those questions is yes. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys.